All right. Good morning again, everybody. Good morning. I need to adjust the thermostat down a little. Or is it just me? <laughs> All right. All righty. Well, again, happy Mother's Day. To all of our mothers, no children's church today so that the kids can stay over here with their mothers. And it's always uh, always one of my favorite activities to ask women how old they are. So uh, today is my favorite day. Uh, so <laughs> of course, we do have flowers for everybody. Uh, all all the, our ladies, we have flowers. And if I'm counting correctly, uh, we have enough out there that everybody should be able to take two pots with them today. Um, and then, of course, we have our hanging baskets, and we'll choose for the youngest mother, uh, the most experienced mother, and then the mother with the most kids here. So, um, well, you're getting smart. Huh? Oh, yes, that's right. And there is a, uh, a, be a box of uh, hand lotion or body lotion out there as well, so be sure and to pick that up. We'll try to set that to where it's easy to get, get to both of them. So uh, be sure that you... Uh, Get those. So, uh, without any further ado, I guess we will uh, we'll start off with, huh? Okay. How would you like to do this? I would love to turn these duties over. <laughs> okay. Uh, all of our mothers, if you would, please. I've been instructed we should have all mothers stand up. So, all mothers stand up. And all of us remaining, let's give them a round of applause. So. <laughs> all right, ladies, you may be seated. We'll start with the, uh, with, and maybe a hotly contested race. If you have uh, two or more children present today with you at church, please stand. Okay. Do we have anybody that has three children present today? So we had a one, two, three, four, five, six way tie. I did not plan for this. A two way tie normally, but not a six way tie. So what we'll do, ladies, is we will certainly make sure that you all get a hanging basket. I'll have to pick up some more Monday from the, from the greenhouse. But all of our moms with two kids present here today will all have a hanging basket. So just remember, and we had six, so okay. All right. Now the fun part. If you're a mother and you are 50 years old or younger, please stand. 50 and younger. 40 and younger. 30 and younger. 28, 9, 8. And it looks like Miss Bree Brand is the winner of the youngest mother present. Let's give her a round of applause. All right, 51 and more experienced than that. 51 years of experience as a mother and over. <laughs> All right, 61 and under, please sit. 71 and under, please sit. We'll make this rapid succession. 81 and under, please sit. 85 and younger. 
87 and younger. Brent, you're not 87 years old. <laughs> he popped up there. Hold it. I sit you both down at 87? Are you, are you all the same age? No, I'm a little older. Okay, well, that's what I thought. <laughs> so, Miss Doris Williams is our oldest mother present. Let's give her a round of applause. So that we don't make a mess, uh, I didn't bring any of the flowers in. They're all, but ladies, be sure to get your hanging baskets, and uh, I will be sure to get the remaining baskets uh, out uh, as well. So I've got five out there, two, three. I'll get three more baskets for next week. So, uh, And we do want to welcome and thank all of our mothers for all that you do in our lives, and uh, certainly good to have you folks here with us. Uh, from uh, YouTube and Facebook Live, and uh, always a privilege for me to share in God's Word with you. If you want to go ahead and mark in your hymnals for our hymn of invitation this morning, 167, Pass Me Not. We'll use that. And anyone that'd like to volunteer for these duties moving forward, I'll give you a little training program how to do that. So uh, we'll let you do, do this. Mother's Day. I think it was Woodrow Wilson who first instituted Mother's Day. So it's been around for a goodly amount of time. Something that has always been time-honored here in the United States. I'm not sure. I've never done research to see if other countries around the world have a specific day where they honor their mothers. If they don't, they should. Especially in the climate and the world that we live in today. Because who would have ever thought... The definition of a mother would be attacked or changed, or attempt to be changed, I'll say. And that just goes to show that where we need to continue to adhere to God's word for clarity and truth. And this morning, because of uh, the Mother's Day and, and, the, and needing to go back to clarity and truth of God's Word, I wanted to look at, and the title of this morning's sermon, and it's not so much a sermon as it is uh, a pep talk for you moms. Uh, it's mothers in the Bible. Mothers in the Bible. So I'll give you some scripture to refer back to, but we're not going to really look at any specific scripture this morning except one I want to read at the end. But I want us to go through and I want to look at mothers in the Bible. And I want us to take the example that God has given through these women. And I want to encourage you as mothers, whether it's a grandmother or a mother or a mother-to-be, because the wisdom that we can find in the scriptures is something that we can all benefit from. These mothers gives you all examples of what not to do and what to do. You may expect, as our opening scripture come from Proverbs 31, talking about the virtuous woman, and that's wonderful scripture, and, and it is something, a, a great section of scripture to model yourself as a mother and a wife after, and I'm not diminishing that because I'm going to read from it here in a little bit, but I want to go back, and I want to look, and I want us to think about some of these women from the perspective as a mother, because oftentimes, the stories that we read about these women are more associated with their child or husband than it is about them themselves. So the first woman that we're going to look at is the original mother, and that's Eve in Genesis chapter 2. 
the mother of all of us, really. And she's the woman who made, and we know, she is known for being the woman who made the, the first big mistake. And she, and she gets a, a hard time about the, the sin of disobedience of God, and, and, and fine, we'll, we'll call it that. But when we think about Eve as a mother, we have to think about something a lot deeper with Eve because she was the first mother. And it's unfair to judge her just solely on that one decision. In fact, you have to have some sympathy for her. She didn't have a mom to ask about what to do. Mom, what should I do when, when my baby's teething and crying? What should I do when they're sick? What should I do in these instances where uh, the baby's uh, needs something and I really don't know, I don't have... She didn't have the advice of a mother along with those children. So when we think of her in that respect, she had to figure it out all on her own. She was the first mother to have heartache from the children that didn't get along. And that's in the Bible. We, any of us have kids know that there's a potential that they don't get along. She's the first mother that had a child involved in violence and lost a child to violence. So Eve had to do and deal with a lot of things as the first mother. But yet we always remember her as the lady that, that picked the forbidden fruit and gave it to her, and her. She ate it and her husband Adam ate it. Did she always make good choices? No. She didn't. Was she perfect? No, she wasn't. And she wasn't expected to be. She was human, just like all other mothers are human. So considering the fact that she truly went uh, with things alone and had to deal with so many tragedies alone as a mother, she deserves certainly recognition on Mother's Day. We next, next want to look at Sarah the mother of Isaac, in Genesis chapter 18. This is the mom who gives hope to everyone who waited a little later or a little longer to get started on the mommy track. Not that she didn't try, but uh, God's plan was different for her. He'd made a promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, she, I'm sure, assumed that makes me the mother of many nations, and, and that wasn't happening soon enough for her. So we know the story. She gave her handmaiden, Hagar, to, to her husband, Abram, and they had a child, a child, but not the child of the promise. And we know that that created some issues a little later on after the child, Isaac, was born, and that caused more difficulty even to the point to where Hagar and Isaac was, or Ishmael was banished from the camp. But they continued to raise Isaac in a godly manner. We know that when God came back and, and affirmed that promise with Abraham of his covenant, Sarah overheard and she laughed. So she doubted God a little bit because of her physical position in life, and, and most probably would. If you were any of our ladies that's in our, their 90s or getting near their 90s, 
uh, to find out that you were going to have a baby, you would probably chuckle a little. And that's what Sarah did. She laughed. But what she had failed to do was remember that nothing is impossible when it comes to God. And she was one that teaches us to wait on God because nothing is impossible with God. So we see that she gives us some lessons as well. Patience. Even if it means waiting until you're 90 to have your first child, we have to have patience and wait upon the Lord and his plan. Now the next mother is one that maybe is not so much one that pops to mind. That's Rebecca. She's the mother of Jacob and Esau. You'll find her in Genesis chapter 25. Rebecca gives mothers a really good example of the dangers of favoring one child over another child. And it shows the dangers of putting your children and your relationship with your children ahead of your relationship with your husband as well. I encourage you, if you're not familiar with the story of Rebecca, that you go back and read this because I can't cover it all in this, this little sermon, but in Genesis 25, it's there. Of course, we know that Esau was the firstborn. Jacob was the secondborn. He was supposed to come out, had a hold of Esau's heel. So they almost were born at the same time in as much as is possible to have two children at once. And then with, at this time, the eldest son would have received the blessing. In other words, he was going to be the, the leader, the ruler. Everything from dad would pass down to that eldest son. But Rebecca was not going to have it because she wasn't favored. She didn't favor Esau. She favored Jacob. And in fact, she was complicit in conspiring against her husband so that she could elevate Jacob to the point where trickery came about. It's an interesting story about how, because Esau was a man of the outdoors, he was a strong hunter, he was uh, apparently a hairy fella, and that's how his dad identified him, was because of the hair on his arms and the roughness of his skin, and, and mom took the skin of a, of a lamb and tied on to him so it would mimic that, to trick her husband to blessing Jacob to get the blessing of the inheritance. And this caused a great feud between him and his brother for several years. Jacob left even fearing his own life to return. So we see here that putting one child ahead of another child is not God's plan. We see that putting one child ahead of another child can cause trouble far down, many years down the road. And we can see here the great dangers and the sadness, really, if you go back and look and you think about Isaac, how heartbroken he was that his wife took part in deceiving him, that putting your children's relationship with you above your husband's relationship is something that I would not advise any woman to do. Because it is you and your husband that God designed to be the, the family, the beginning of the family unit. You were first. Your loyalties are to your husband, not saying that you don't have, have responsibilities to raise your children. But your children will leave, and you and your husband will stay together. And that relationship must have priority. We see this with Rebecca.
and what happens if it doesn't. So she gives us a good example of how not to be a good wife and that trying to manipulate your children and the husband is never a good idea. Another lady that we associate something bad with is Bathsheba. In uh, 2 Samuel 11, mother of Solomon, we know that for a fact. But we also know that with Bathsheba, she was a known, she's the lady that was on the rooftop taking a, taking a bath in the evening and King David strolled out on the veranda and he seen this woman. And because her beauty was such, was great that he called for her to be brought to the castle. Now Bathsheba was married. But she did not want to disobey her king. But she was also disobeying the God's law whenever she came into David and allowed, uh, they had an extramarital affair. Of course, we know the story. We know what David did to try to cover up all of the illicit relationship, including and up to a child born out of wedlock through adultery. And we know that murder was involved there, lying. But simply, simply we see here as well, we know that the child that was born from this relationship died. And uh, her husband was killed. So we know that Bathsheba made some bad decisions. And her bad decisions, along with David's bad decisions, affects David's household for a long, long time. Many years because of this fallout, they had trouble. But Solomon was born who's credited for being the wisest of all. Though that everything was kind of a dumpster fire before Solomon, when you go back and you look at the family history of David and the children that was born, there's a real mess. Then here comes Solomon, who will build the temple, who's credited for being the wisest of all. So the, the thing that we can learn from Bathsheba moms is this. Though you may start off wrong, though things may start off rough, Continue to keep your faith in God and be faithful to Him and things can and will work out in the end. But strive not to be outside of God's will. These examples are not saying that you have a, you have a free pass to make poor decisions. We make those already. But try to use God's Word to, to keep you from making poor decisions. And things, if you remain faithful and follow what the Scripture says... It will work out in the end. So she's an example that it may start your marriage and motherhood may not start off in ideal conditions, but with faith in God and devotion to your husband, God can turn those into favorable conditions. So we've looked at some moms so far in the Bible that don't necessarily fit into that mold of the Proverbs 31 mother, do we? And I'm not saying that Lemuel's mother is not, did not exist. I'm sure she did. But I don't think any of them would fit into that mold that we'll read about here shortly. But all of these women were important women in the Bible. All of these women gave important examples for other mothers to follow or to not follow. And we'll look at another one. Jochebed is one that was a good example to follow. Do we know who she is? She's the mom of Aaron and Miriam and a man named Moses. Now we know who Jochebed is, don't we? Moses' mother. Could you imagine? You'll find her in Exodus chapter 
6, verse 20 is where she is named. But in Exodus chapter 2, she's the unnamed mother of Moses. So uh, it's kind of odd how it was written in there. Could you imagine how, what a terrible predicament that she was in, knowing that there was a decree from the Pharaoh to have all, all of the Hebrew children, male children, slain at birth. This was the midwife's duty. And the midwives, fearing God, said, well, these Hebrew women are too vigorous. They don't have their babies, and they're gone before we can get there. So it was almost like a partial birth abortion that was ordered. But by the grace of God, it didn't happen with Moses. And we know what happened. We knew that Jochebed knew that if Moses was discovered, that, that he would have been put to the sword. So what did she do? In faith, she put little Moses in an ark made of reeds, waterproofed with pitch, the Bible tells us, and she sent him down the Nile and had Miriam follow it. And Pharaoh's, one of the Pharaoh's daughters picks up the, the little bulrush boat and finds Moses in there and then enlists the help of a Hebrew woman as a nursemaid who happens to be Jochebed. So she gets to raise Moses because she put great faith and trust in God, but yet she was going to defend the life of her child. In any way possible, she was going to try to preserve the life of her son. And I understand and, and admire that quality in women. That they will stand, we've heard the, the term, uh, these grizzly bear mamas. And that's exactly the kind of mama Jochebed was. She was going to stand in front of anything and take any kind of damage for anything that would have harmed Moses, even if that meant that she put him in a, in a makeshift boat and shipped him down the Nile. She was going to make sure that he was protected. And God had a plan for Moses. And because of Jochebed's faith, it happened to work out just exactly like God planned. It's amazing isn't it, how God's plan works. Mom, sometimes have to think out of the box, don't you? When it comes to your kids, certainly. And in the world that we live in today, the attack on the family and the attack on the truth of God's word, we have to be willing to stay with inside of God's box. God's box of truth. And I encourage you moms, especially you younger mothers that have little kids. Uh, you know, I've been out of school for several years now. 40 this year is our anniversary. I can't imagine having being starting in school now, knowing what I know and having to go back and, and being brought up when the when the toughest thing that, that we had to worry about was the fact that whether we did our homework, got in trouble, had to write, or how many leaks I was going to get with the panel for not. I had to weigh those out. That was my biggest choice. But our kids today are bombarded with all the stuff we see on the news. I talked to a lady just a couple of days ago, and she talked about how her children are being forced to put labels on something. And it's not from teachers necessarily or adults. It's from other kids. You have to label something. You have to be something. You have to support or disapprove of something now. And we're talking about little kids. All of the garbage that we see on the news, that we see on television, affects these little kids like we never would have dreamed. So moms, I know you've got to think out of the box. 
But just remember the faithfulness and the ingenuity of Jochebed and how that that resulted in the preservation of Moses' life and what that mean, meant to the Hebrew children. And then finally, our last mother we'll look at this morning is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Another circumstance where that marriage and that motherhood path did not start off on the most favorable of circumstances. Because in the eyes of men, that was an adulterous, out-of-wedlock pregnancy. Not so uncommon, unfortunately, today, but it was a death sentence at that time. Where she was betrothed, Joseph could have taken her before the, the priest, and they could have sent her to death and stoned her to death, and that would have been the end of it. But we see that God had a different plan. We know God had a different plan for his son. But think about Mary as a mother. She didn't want to start her new life out that way. And the struggles of, of initially being pregnant, though she found it a blessing and said all of the generations would call me blessed because she knew the package that she was carrying. And I'm sure she didn't, like any new mother, would not have wanted her first child to have been born in a barn. I know what happens there. You get your nursery, you get your nursery all made up, and, and guys, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You spend weeks and weeks and weeks preparing this perfect nursery. Okay, all the right colors, all the right furniture, all the right equipment. You get it all set perfect. Baby comes home, and baby sleeps in bed with mom and dad. <laughs> Am I wrong? But that's what we do, right? But that's what I'm saying. No one says, well, let's just put the baby out in the barn. I, we don't need a doctor in a hospital and all that medical bill. We'll just go have the baby in the barn. That was Mary didn't have a choice. So Mary started her, her marriage off and her pregnancy off, being a mother off and, and having the baby in certainly less than ideal conditions. And we know about Mary. She continues to pop up throughout the the, the Gospels. Jesus was 12 and they were hunting down a lost son that was in the temple. They were lost. She, he was lost to them but not to himself. He knew where he was at and why he was there. She was there in his ministry if we recall at the, at the wedding of Cana. Who was it that encouraged Jesus to help with the problem that they had run out of wine? Jesus said it's not my time. Mary the mom said do whatever he tells you to do. Jesus' mother Mary continues throughout the scriptures following and supporting him in his ministry all the way up and even unto the cross. She was there at the foot of the cross. What a horrific thing to watch your son, any child like that. So she started off in less than ideal circumstances but supported her son, loved and cared for her son all the way until his death, which all mothers do. So I give you a, a thumbs up mom, for the jobs that you do. Use these women that we have, and these are certainly not all the mothers that's in the Bible. It's most of the notable ones that show us that moms are not perfect. Moms don't always make the best decisions, but moms love. And I want to thank you for loving your kids. And. Uh, for those of you that are not mothers, but are like mothers to people, I want to thank you for loving those kids too.
We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning, hymn of invitation. And uh, listen, if you've known a mother's love, you know God's love. Because God is the author of that love. And he sent his son Jesus here so that you may have the hope of salvation. If you've heard and believed the word and are willing to confess Christ as your Savior, repent of your sin and be buried in baptism, raise that new creation, having received the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins, raised to walk new in Christ. That invitation's for you. Maybe you realize that something that we looked at or something we said this morning or something that happened to you in the week past, it doesn't have to happen today, made you realize that, you know what, I really need to rededicate myself to serving God because he loves me. He went to a lot of, a lot of trouble, great lengths to see that I had a path toward heaven and I'm going to accept that and I'm going to pull my weight, do my part, get my relationship back in the right spot. Do that today. In either case, whatever the case may be, we're going to sing the first and second verse of 167, Pass Me Not. If you have a decision to make, I want to encourage you to come as we stand and sing.